the best way to put it is that a death cross precedes every major market sell-off, but a major market sell-off doesn't necessarily always follow a death cross. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. This week, the S&P 500 experienced a death cross. It's an ominous term, but what does it really mean for equity markets and investors? In today's episode, Portfolio Managers Alfred Lee and Chris McKinney, along with your host Mark Rays, discuss that topic as well as fixed income volatility, dividend-oriented Canadian companies, covered call strategies, and gold. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. Hello, and welcome to our BMO ETF weekly insight call with our team of experts. I'm today's host, Mark Rays, head of product for BMO Global Asset Management. I'd like to thank everyone for listening in. We really appreciate your time. We're joined today by Alfred Lee and Chris McKinney, both our portfolio managers on our ETF desk. So thanks to both of you for joining us. Thanks, Mark. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. Let's get right into things here. Lots to talk about once again. And I'd like to start with fixed income. Lots of advisor questions coming in on the direction of the market here. Quite a bit of volatility. And, you know, we were seeing the 10-year bond yield start to come in, but now it's jumped back up, uh, you know, 2.2. And every time you look at it, it's a little bit different. Now, normally market uncertainty would mean declining yield, but we're seeing the opposite. So what is at play here? As well, in terms of ETFs, we're seeing short duration ETFs like our ZCS, our short corporate bond ETF, hold in better, of course, because of less duration and also the, the credit exposure. What are your thoughts on an overweight to ZCS or other ETFs you might consider right now? Thanks. There's definitely a lot of noise in the fixed income market right now. You're definitely right. When I look at the interest rates, for example, I think there's a lot of uh, several forces at play right now. Um, for example, on one hand, you have you know, the conflict in Russia and Ukraine, which has led to a flattening of the yield curve. Um, I think you know a couple of weeks ago when we got that Russia invasion of Ukraine, um, what we essentially saw was a lot of people selling risk assets and then looking for shelter in government bonds, which is really just suppressing the bond yields, especially in the longer end of the curve. On the other hand, however, you know when you look at central bank tightening, uh, the Bank of Canada raised its rates by 25 basis points at the last meeting, uh, which was early March. Uh, on top of that, when you look at unemployment rates, uh, the last unemployment rate out of Canada was 6.3%, which is essentially pretty close to the pre-pandemic lows. Um, I think that's a good indication that shows that you know a lot of the slack in the economy has essentially been removed. So I think that paved the way for uh, the Bank of Canada to, to do uh, further rate hikes. I think that's led to some pretty massive repricing in bond yields, um, again, especially in the 10-year uh, level. Um, and then on top of that, you have inflation as well. Uh, the January CPI number in Canada, which was reported in mid-February, was 5.1%. The expectation was for 4.8%. Uh, this morning, just a couple of minutes ago, uh, we saw the CPI number in Canada come in for uh, the month of February, 
um, at 5.7%. So again, higher than the expectations. Um, so again, we're seeing you know inflationary pressures, which is causing yields to rise as well. Uh, all in all, you know, I, as I mentioned, there's a lot of noise in, in terms of what we're seeing with interest rates right now. Uh, the market, which was initially you know more focused on the Russia and Ukraine invasion, we clearly saw the risk sentiment kind of shift towards you know that risk off behavior um, in late February. But in in you know recent weeks, I think investors have been more focused on. Um, looking at inflation, looking at central bank tightening and thinking to themselves, you know, we need higher yields in order to compensate them for taking on that risk right now. Um, so when you look at the 10-year uh, yield in Canada, um, pretty pretty uh, massive move in the last couple of weeks. It's moved up 53 basis points since uh, the end of February. Uh, so now it's trading around 2.2%. Um, but, you know, as you mentioned, I think, you know, typically when you see um, you know, a risk-off uh, sentiment, typically what you see is, you know, yields start to move down. We've, we've clearly seen the opposite here, uh, but I think investors should note that, you know, that shouldn't be seen as risk-taking or sentiment towards risk-taking. I think what we're seeing here is, you know, there's still a risk-off behavior. When you look at credit spreads, for example, uh, credit spreads are still at its widest level since um, April 2020. So there's a lot of noise in terms of what's going on in the fixed income market. But in terms of you know, overweighting towards things like ZCS. I think that definitely makes a lot of sense right now. Um, I think, you know, clearly, um, especially for retail advisors who um, I think, you know, don't want volatility in the fixed income portfolio, I think ZCS makes a lot of sense right now. I think advisors generally are looking for three things right now. They want low volatility from their fixed income side of their portfolio. I think um, when you look at ZCS, the duration is about 2.75. So I think it's very well suited for this market. Uh, where investors are concerned about, you know, further rate hikes, concerned about inflation as well. Uh, in terms of yield, I think investors also want yield. So even though interest rates have moved, we're still, you know, on absolute terms, uh, yields are still relatively low right now. So, you know, given where ZCS lies on the short end of the curve, um, it gives investors the most amount of yields, given that invest in uh, corporate bonds, which are, you know, riskier than, provincial bonds and federal bonds. So when you look at the yield to maturity on um, ZCS right now, it's closing in on 3.7 or sorry, 3%. Uh, it's about 2.95% right now, which is, you know, the highest it's been for quite a long time. Uh, on top of that, I think investors also want quality. So you know, given what we've seen in the sub-investment grade area, uh, things like high yield and emerging markets, I think advisors don't want to think about, you know, the implications on sanctions and how it's going to affect things like emerging market bonds. So I think, you know, ZCS is definitely a good place to be right now. It's um, you know, it's a good it's a good area to overweight in terms of the fixed income market. Again, as I mentioned, you know, the credit spreads are the widest levels uh, we've seen since April 2020. And you know, knock on wood, I think when you look at the Canadian corporate bond market, I think it's pretty well insulated from what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. So you know, I think that overweight to ZCS definitely makes sense right now. Great, thanks for that, Alfred. And I'd be remiss not to mention our one of our newest launches are our Canadian bank income ETFs, ZBI, certainly getting a lot of interest as well. Uh, it's an ETF that has more credit exposure and, of course, the addition of the preferreds and the LRCNs uh, getting a lot of attention as well. Now, let's switch over to equity markets. And, of course, we've got equity markets under pressure right now. But Canada has certainly stood out. And... Beyond that, Canadian dividends uh, with ZDV, our dividend ETF, have been outperforming. Can you comment on what is driving returns? And as well, speak to a few holdings in the ETF. Thanks. 
Sure. And I think there's a couple of different tailwinds going on right now for Canadian dividends. And so, first of all, as you alluded to, the Canadian market and economy in general holding up fairly well um, in the face of you know, declining stock markets for the most part globally. So far in 2022, we've seen you know down south the S&P 500 down around 10%. We've seen the NASDAQ um, sell off, uh, I think it touched 20% at one point. It's come back a little bit, but, um, you know, at some point down 20% in in 2022. And then, of course, European and global markets uh, under pressure as well. Um, And during that time, Canadians, uh, Canada's broad market is actually relatively flat in terms of performance. And that's just because, you know, the things we do well, energy, materials, and then financials as well, the big part of the Canadian economy and the Canadian stock market actually doing fairly well here um, in this environment. And then on top of that, the second tailwind um, is, you know, in the face of, you know, what Alfred was talking about with continuing high inflation expectations, interest rates continuing to move up, um, you know, those cash generative stocks, the companies that um, tend to pay dividends and and grow dividends over time um, are really being rewarded by the market at the expense of, you know, more growth-oriented companies. And we've talked about this a little bit as well uh, in the past on the podcast. When you have strong growth potential or growth expectations of earnings in the future, uh, when interest rates are moving up, you know, the present value of, of that future growth becomes less and less. And so those, again, those growth-oriented companies tend to, to hurt, get hurt from higher interest rates. Um, and then investors move towards those companies that already are making earnings and have that cash flow coming in today. And so, you know, Canadian dividends and dividend-oriented companies have, have done well here so far with, you know, dividend-oriented um, Canadian equity portfolios up in the neighborhood of 6-7% so far in 2022. Again, when most major markets are down um, 10% or, or, or further in double digits. In terms of Specifically with ZDV, what some of the, the names that are driving that performance, you know, you look at a stock like Nutrien, uh, Nutrien's one of the biggest producers of potash globally, potash being one of the primarily used for fertilizer. So that agriculture uh, theme really um, benefiting, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, those, those companies that are in that agriculture theme really benefiting so far here in 2022. Um, Canada itself is the largest exporter of potash globally. Um, And guess who's number two? It's Russia. And number three is Belarus. And so sanctions there, um, obviously crimping that market, putting a a dent in supply there. And so Canada being one of the beneficiaries of that and nutrients specifically, again, as one of the largest producers there, you know, up over 30% so far here in 2022. And then, of course, probably to no one's surprise, you know, those uh, energy-related companies, Enbridge, uh, TC Energy, and, and some others, you know, obviously performing well with uh, the oil prices uh, being where they are, um, you know, benefiting from that trend. And then, of course, you know, the financials as well, including the banks, some of the banks um, doing well here in 2022. Banks tend to do well, you know, with higher interest rates and with a steeper yield curve. Uh, that tends to help out their their business model. And so we've seen uh, banks um, being one of the areas that investors have turned to, and again, in the face of rising interest rates. And then lastly, maybe I'll just touch on, again, a lot of good areas actually in, in Canada that have been performing well. Um, you know, some of the telecoms like Talus and Rogers, you know, again, the very cash generative companies. And no matter what else is going on in the world, people are going to pay their cell phone bills. They're going to pay their internet bills. That's almost a staple here in Canada and in the developed world. 
Um, and so again, these companies that are very cash generative, um, returning a lot of that to investors in the form of dividends um, have done very well here so far, um, uh, again, as other parts of the, the global economy uh, have been suffering. Great. Thanks for that update, Chris. Certainly good to see some of the equity ETFs performing quite well in these markets. Introducing the BMO Brookfield Global Renewables Infrastructure and BMO Brookfield Global Real Estate Tech ETF Series, tickers GRNI and TOWR. In a time of market volatility, rising prices, and low yields, investors are looking for solutions to boost returns while diversifying away from traditional assets. Now, BMO and Brookfield have collaborated to bring you two new investment strategies that combine the benefits of ETFs with the advantages of alternative investments. To learn more about these innovations, visit bmoetfs.ca and search tickers GRNI and TOWR. Now let's take a look over at the U.S. market because advisors, of course, that follow a lot of charts would have noticed that the S&P 500 hit a death cross yesterday. Uh, So can you take a minute and explain what you're seeing in these charts and as well, how can investors position themselves as they look forward? Yeah, so, you know, yesterday we um, saw the S&P 500 hit the death cross, which is, um, you know, a pretty widely used technical indicator. Uh, You know, admittedly, it's a pretty ominous name, but I think it is a pretty good effective technical indicator that shows that the market is losing momentum here. Um, Essentially, you know, what it is, is it compares the short-term indicator, which is the 50-day moving average, and comparing it to the longer-term trend, which is the 200-day moving average. What I'd like to point out is that it does not mean that you know necessarily the market is coming, you know, the mar- current market cycle is coming to an end. Um, you know, it's you know it should be pointed out that um, between the 2008 financial crisis and the 2020 market sell-off, so between that market cycle, uh, there were at least five death crosses in the S&P 500. So the best way to put it is that you know a death cross precedes every major market sell-off, but a major market sell-off doesn't necessarily always follow a death cross. I do think, however, that it is a sign that investors do need to take caution at this point. Um, when you look at the market and all the different risk items out there, uh, definitely a lot of risk items that could potentially cause the market to turn over. I mean, you know, there's the Russian-Ukraine tensions, which obviously is the biggest risk factor out there. Uh, on top of that, there's central bank tightening. Uh, there's inflation. There's the U.S. midterms coming up later this year as well, which I think you know all those items are going to weigh on the market. On the flip side, however. Um, you know, I think if we get any kind of resolution in Russia, Ukraine, um, I think the markets could potentially rally at, at that point. You know, the, I think the forgotten story that a lot of people are not focusing on is that the majority of the world is starting to open up. So COVID, which, you know, I think a lot of people have stopped talking about, um, you know, the good sign is that it does look like it's becoming more endemic, even though um, in China and in Hong Kong areas like that, uh, there are cases breaking out for the most part, I think, you know, uh, if you look at North America, you look at Europe, it looks like that, you know, the economies there are starting to open up and, and starting to learn to live with COVID, uh, which I think is going to be a good sign uh, for the overall economy. Uh, but overall, I think, you know, when you look at equities, I, I, I think it definitely makes sense to maintain exposure to equities at, at, at this point. But it definitely makes sense to take your foot off the gas to, to a degree. Uh, and I think, you know, things like low volatility ETF are a good way to play the current market right now. It allows investors to maintain exposure to equities, but at the same time, also pare back the risk uh, when it comes to, you know, taking on that equity exposure by investing in equities that have a lower beta. 
Uh, one thing I'd point out, however, is that you know when you look at factor-based ETFs such as low vol, uh, when you look at one low vol ETF from one ETF provider to another, um, it is going to be different. How the, how the way um, you know that low vol ETF construct is constructed is going to you know vary from one provider to another. Um, the way we put together our low vol, we essentially use beta as the main measure. Um, the way I see it, you know, in my opinion, I think beta is a more pure measure of volatility. Uh, given that it is relative to the market. Uh, on top of that, you know, when you compare our low-vol ETFs uh, versus other strategies like minimum volatility ETFs, we don't constrain our ETFs to be sector neutral, uh, which essentially allows the ETF to be you know, more of a pure exposure to uh, less volatile stocks. Uh, on top of that, you know, we do have um, sector constraints and name constraints, which I think are additional safeguards to, to the ETF. Um, but overall, you know, as I mentioned, I think low volatility ETFs are a good way to play the market right now. Um, for U.S. equity exposure, we have ZLU, which is our low vol uh, U.S. equity ETF. Um, if investors are worried about, you know, currency volatility, we also have ZLH, which, which is the, um, you know, Canadian dollar currency hedge uh, version. Um, so we do have a pretty extensive low vol uh, lineup. But again, if you are concerned about the recent uh, downturn in uh, momentum in the U.S. equity market. Again, uh, the U.S. low-vol ETFs are a good way to play it. Great. Thanks for that, Alfred. And yeah, I'm just looking at the charts and getting close to a 10% spread between uh, U.S. low-vol and the S&P 500 year-to-date. Certainly a valuable portfolio construction piece there. Now, another area where we've been getting some questions in are, are the covered calls. Uh, we certainly think about them during periods of higher volatility due to the call premiums. Can you comment on the benefits, but as well the risks of covered calls in this market? Is there a covered call ETF that you're discussing a lot or that you would recommend right now? Thanks. Sure. And yeah, absolutely. Covered calls, uh, you know, make a lot of sense for, for certain investors in, in this type of environment. Um, you know, as Alfred just just mentioned, you know, I think a lot of investors are looking at ways to take a little bit of risk, you know, out of their portfolio, just because uh, of likely continued choppiness going forward or continued volatility expected over the near term. And so, you know, a couple of different things that covered calls provide in in this type of market is that they generally do have a little bit less volatility than uh, just a broad equity portfolio. That consistency of the call premiums and generally dividends uh, as well from the underlying coming in on a consistent basis dampens that volatility a little bit. So you have higher lows, but you also have lower highs, so to speak. So that kind of compresses, um, you know, that return stream. And so investors looking for a bit more consistency um, can look to covered calls. As well, as you mentioned, you know, with higher volatility in the market, that drives um, call option premiums. And generally the higher uh, volatility in the market is or expected volatility is you can generate more um, cash flow from those premiums. You can extract a higher price from those premiums. So a couple of different things that investors might look to cover calls for um, in this type of environment. Of course, you say there are risks associated with that as well. And, you know, when there is higher volatility in the market, um, that just means, you know, there's higher probability of sell-offs, but there's also a higher probability of the market rallying significantly. Um, again, Alfred alluded to it previously that if there is any sort of resolution to the Russia-Ukraine conflict or, or some of these other issues that we're dealing with geopolitically, you could see a very strong rally to the upside potentially uh, from equity markets. 
And if you're in a covered call portfolio, you probably would not, um, you know, achieve all of that growth because with that covered call process, you are foregoing some of that potential upside return and specifically um, strong upside in a very short period of time is where a covered call would, would lose out on, so to speak. And so, you know, the risk here is not necessarily uh, downside risk, but it's more one of opportunity cost, you know, foregone uh, growth potential uh, when the market can potentially rally significantly higher. So, you know, there's actually a couple of things we do when we manage our covered calls to, to mitigate these type of risks. And some of it is, first of all, we only cover half the portfolios, and this is across the board of all of our covered call strategies. Uh, we don't fully cover each name because if you do get one of those strong rallies to the upside, you don't want to have that um, name fully covered with call options. And then the second thing we do is we tend to spread out um, the call options that we have. So there's always a little bit coming due and we can always reset those strike prices higher. And so that trade-off with growth that I'm talking about um, can continually be reset higher if the market is trending upwards. And that way you don't have your entire portfolio um, at risk of what might happen on one specific date at one specific expiry. You're spreading out that risk and, and getting a more consistent um, return experience on these covered calls. So there's a few things we do within our portfolios to try to mitigate some of those risks, but that's still going to be there. Again, if we again if we see a resolution to Russia-Ukraine or, or any other sort of um, reduction in some of these other risks we're talking about and there's a significant move higher, um, you know, chances are that covered call portfolio will lag that move higher, uh, but you will get that more consistent return stream and that more consistent cash flow. In terms of, you know, a covered call ETF that investors might want to look at, you know, we already talked about how dividends are, are doing well in this market environment. So, um, you know, putting aside, you know, those dividend-oriented covered calls we have, looking at a couple of sectors um, that might do well, you know, I, I also mentioned how financials tend to benefit from, from higher interest rates. You know, we have the covered call Canadian banks, the ZWB, that gives you exposure to that Canadian banking sector that, again, has, has done well so far here in 2022, and we think will continue to do well. Um, or if investors want U.S. banks, we have ZWK as well. Um, and so there's the, the, the Canadian version or that U.S. The U.S. banks generally will give you a little bit more growth potential, a little less income from the dividend, so, so a lower cash flow stream, but a little bit more growth potential. And we think, again, U.S. banks should continue to do well um, as interest rates move up. And then, Mark, I know you only asked for one, but maybe I'll just throw one other in there um, for investors to consider. Um, again, as we've talked about resetting of growth potential, of growth expectations in the face of high levels of interest rates and inflation, um, you know, investors might want to take a look at a new way to play the technology sector uh, with Again, growth potential not being perhaps as, as high as it was in the past and a more consistent return stream expected out of technology-oriented companies, um, take a look at ZWT. This gives exposure to high technology-oriented companies um, that are generally large cap in nature already, and so that growth potential might not be as strong as some of those smaller um, tech-oriented names. Um, and so you'll have, again, a more consistent return stream we're going to add on a little layer of income through that covered call overlay as well. So get a little bit of income out of your technology related companies and still be able to benefit from that growth and a little bit slower growth going forward. Great. Thanks for that, Chris. And we'll, we'll let you off the hook with multiple recommendations. That's quite all right. We know those ETFs are quite popular. 
The price of oil is rising, and the BMO Equal Weight Oil and Gas Index ETF, ticker ZEO, is uniquely positioned to benefit from structural tailwinds. ZEO tracks large Canadian producers of oil and gas, offering pure play exposure with an equal weight structure that mitigates company-specific risks. To learn more about this convenient and efficient growth solution, visit bmoetfs.ca and search ticker ZEO. Now, one more for today. Can we get your comments on gold and ZGD? Uh, Quite a lot of performance volatility year to date. Uh, We certainly saw a strong run up through the back half of February and into March, uh, but now most recently a bit of a pullback. So what is driving returns and what can we expect looking ahead at gold equities? Thanks. When you look at gold, pretty volatile lately, but it is Overall, having a pretty exceptional year so far. Um, you know, typically when I think about gold, uh, there's three main reasons why you, um, you know, investors buy gold as a hedge. Uh, it's a hedge against macroeconomic or geopolitical risk. Uh, it's a hedge against inflation, or it's a hedge against uh, weaker U.S. dollar as well. So currently, I think investors are concerned about uh, number one and two right now, which is macroeconomic and inflation risk. Um, so gold, I would say, is you know not, not quite firing on all cylinders, but you know two out of three isn't bad. Um, so, you know, in terms of gold prices, we've definitely seen, you know, a lot of price action in terms of gold uh, trade up to 2050 per ounce uh, before recently pulling back to 1920 uh, per ounce. Um, but overall, I think, you know, when you look at uh, gold and gold prices and, you know, I think it's pretty reasonable to think that, you know, gold prices will remain, uh, some, you know, pretty elevated at this point. You know, when you look at the conflict in Russia and Ukraine, um, you know, they're potentially, you know, that the conflict there is going to be ongoing and potentially doesn't resolve anytime soon. So I think that's going to be supportive of gold. Uh, inflation, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Uh, when you look at the reopening of the economy, I think that's going to cause, you know, demand pull inflation. Uh, on top of that, you know, when you look at, um, you know, the COVID numbers out of China, they are experiencing um, a pretty good or pretty uh, significant breakout in terms of Omicron numbers there. So I think, you know, the way they deal with um COVID, they, you know, they essentially go into lockdown, which I think is going to cause, you know, further supply side issues. Um, So that's going to be, um, you know, that's going to cause inflation to continue as well. But I think overall, when you look at gold, I think it's, you know, proven to be, um, you know, um, uh, a pretty big differentiator. I think, um, you know, in the last couple of years, I think a lot of investors have abandoned gold for things like digital currencies, things like Bitcoin. Uh, but I think gold has really kind of outperformed and separated itself from you know, things like Bitcoin as of late. You know, not saying that digital currencies don't add value to a portfolio, but I think recently when you look at gold, um, it definitely seems like it is the safe haven of choice when it comes to asset allocators and portfolio constructors. So, um, you know, as I mentioned, I wouldn't be surprised to see gold prices remain strong here. Um, but I do think, you know, investors should note that, you know, gold prices tend to be volatile. Um, so that's something that investors should keep in mind. Um, but I don't think um, you need a lot of gold, a lot of gold in your portfolio. I think if you have, you know, a five percent, ten percent position in your portfolio, that's more than enough. Um, but again, I think you know things like ZGD, which is our equal weight gold ETF, um, I think that's going to go a long way in terms of providing some diversification. Um, and again, I think you know as a satellite position, five to ten percent, five to ten percent. Um, in your portfolio, I think is going to go a long way in terms of providing additional diversification beyond 
know, traditional assets like stocks and bonds in your portfolio. Great. Thanks for that, Alfred. That's all the questions that we have for this week. So I thank everyone for listening in. Thanks for sending in questions as well. Uh, we appreciate Chris and Alfred, your comments today covering a lot of areas, certainly lots to think about in, in the markets right now, seeing a lot of volatility on both the equity and the fixed income side. So a lot of repositioning going on with advisors and their clients. So very valuable comments. Thanks for those. And with that, I just want to thank everyone for joining the call. Have a great day the rest of the week as well. And we appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you to Mark Rays, Alfred Lee, and Chris McKinney for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO Short Corporate Bond Index ETF, ticker ZCS, which may appeal to those looking for quality, yield, and low volatility from their fixed income sleeves. Our experts also discussed the BMO Equal Weight Global Gold Index ETF, ticker ZGD, a good option for providing additional diversification to a portfolio through exposure to gold mining equities. For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. That's bmoetfs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management.